Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. I live for this. Well, are you ready for one more week of this series? The last week. Final week of this series, Faith. And uh, since everybody read it, I thought I should read it. PT started it off. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Sorry, 11, verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. I was on vacation here this last two weeks, and uh, we were at this spot with a buffet. I love buffets. I think the devil invented them, to be honest. They're not good for you. And I love experimenting. I mean, I will eat anything weird I can get my hands on. Like, I was eating oysters at breakfast. I mean, like, it just got weird. I like oysters. My dad taught me as, like, at a young age, so, like, weird stuff, cow's tongue and weird stuff, right? Ryan, you know. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, so I was trying to introduce Z to some of this stuff. It didn't go very well. But there was this chef that uh, would cook up specifically like however you would do some sort of noodles and meats and sauces and stuff so every day z would ask for biscotti and he'd always want some biscotti and uh so i got on this big plate and he just woofed it man he pounded it all this spaghetti and uh he finished it and he goes more biscotti please i'm like that was a big plate my son I'm like, this is a buffet, and we can get as much as we want. So I'm going to go get you some more spaghetti. So I go back. I go to look. It, it was cleaned out. There, at the time, there was nothing else. We, we had to get going anyways. There was nothing else. So I came back, and I go, hey, bud, um, I'm really sorry, but they're out of biscotti right now. And he was just like, no, I want more biscotti. I'm like, I'm sorry, but there isn't any more. I just checked, there isn't any more. He said, listen, <laughs> he looks at me, and it was like he was in charge. He goes, hmm, let me go see if it's not there. <laughs> he said, he goes, let me, let me go see if they have any. Let me go see. I go, I'm telling you, bud, there's no more spaghetti. It's not there. He goes, let, basically, let me go see for myself. And it kind of hit me in that moment. Z is the perfect example wrapping around here this idea of Hebrews chapter 11 that he couldn't take me at my word I told I mean I saw it there was no biscotti there was none left if he was going to go there you know what he wanted to see he wanted to see that there was none so when he got there it wasn't even that he got to see that there was some he got to see that there was nothing but for him he had to see he wouldn't believe me but in order for him to believe he had to go see it for himself. Made me think about in the New Testament, uh, one of Jesus' disciples by the name of Thomas. Jesus had just resurrected from the dead and he was showing up to all these different people. And there was this moment where he shows up into this room with all the disciples there, but Thomas wasn't there. And so they're all seeing, they're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is Jesus. So after they experience Jesus here, Thomas shows up later for the party, but Jesus had already left. Thomas shows up, hey, what's up, guys? What's going on? They're like, dude, Jesus just showed up. Like, Jesus was just in the... 
Jesus is dead. What are you talking about? He's like, picks or it didn't happen. Prove it right now. We're like, they're like, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, Jesus was just here. He goes, unless, it, and this is weird, by the way, unless I stick my finger in the hole in his hands, in the hole in his side, he goes, I will not believe. So later, after uh, some time had gone by here, the Bible says that Jesus shows up again while Thomas is there. Jesus knowing that Thomas had this lack of faith. So Jesus shows up in this moment. I want you to take in here what Jesus said in John chapter 20. Look at verse 29. Jesus said to Thomas, he says, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen, yet they have believed. You know who Jesus was talking about? He was talking about a bunch of ruffians that would gather here in Emily City, Michigan in the year 2022 that have never seen him, but yet they have faith and they believe that he is alive, he is well, he is inside of them and that everything is possible in his name. He spoke from that moment to our future that would be our present now, but he spoke all the way into the future that when Thomas would not believe because he could not see, we didn't have to see to believe. Why? Come on, somebody in the room. We got faith in this room tonight to believe Jesus is alive. So if you have any faith inside of you, I want you to lean into this word with me. If you don't, it's okay because God's going to give you some faith by the end of the night if you'd be willing to receive it. So Jesus, we come into your presence. We love you. We thank you for showing up here in our midst. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here with us tonight. Jesus, thank you for your word that you would allow your disciples and so many people through the history of the Bible to pen it, record it, that we might have it, that we could read something in that moment that you said and have it today so many years later to know that you looked at Thomas and you even had, you gave him some hope and you helped him out and you even let him in that moment to, to see you and experience you, but greater you gave us hope and you gave us faith to know that we don't have to see you to believe in you, but you would speak to us right now from the past all the way to the future with us today here we are believing yet not seen and I thank you that we don't have to see to believe but we have the evidence right here with your presence in our midst and I pray for those that are maybe skeptics in the room those that are struggling to understand struggling to believe struggling to know if God exists or he's real I thank you that tonight you are giving us faith and so we receive that faith and we use it Lord to honor you to praise you and to lift up your awesome name if you believe that tonight all God's people say amen come on give him a shout of praise tonight amen amen hey turn to like uh three people before you seated and just say i need some more faith say i'd like some more faith i don't mind getting some more faith see i found as a uh, a human being myself like you I found that as human beings, we don't just have this struggle with wanting to see, but we also have this craving with wanting to understand. There's so many things in the world that we just don't understand. 
There's things that keep us up at night. There's things that plague us. There's things that ruffle our feathers tremendously because we don't understand them. I've found that there's so many different pieces that work in tandem when we talk about faith. It's not just seeing, but it's understanding. It's not just believing, but there's this aspect of trusting as well. And I've been uh, just looking over the last three weeks of what they've been preaching. And could I just first say that it's the most amazing feeling in the world to be gone and to get to watch the last two sermons from PT and Pastor Steve and be so full of like excitement, like, wow, I don't need to be there for the word of God to go forth in power. I don't need to be there for the people of God to gather and worship. I don't even need to be there for the presence of God to pour out and move. And so I'd first like to just honor all of our, our leaders, everybody holding it down, but specifically the words that Pastor Tyler and Pastor Steve preached. Holy smokes. Come on, show some honor to where it's due. I listen, I listen to both of them. I'm like, man, what am I going to say? They, they pretty much just killed that. What's left to say? And I kind of want to turn us into this moment here of, of understanding that our issue with faith is not just that we can't see, but it's many times that we struggle to understand for me, there's just so much about God I don't understand. If you, if you look at Thomas here, when Thomas shows up in this moment where Jesus is not there, he didn't want to see simply to believe. He wanted to see so he could understand. What do you mean? Jesus was just dead. He knew Jesus was dead. The last thing he knew that Jesus died on the cross was put in the tomb. And the last thing he knew, he wasn't coming back. Now, it's confusing, isn't it? It's just like, how many different times do we have to read the scriptures to get it in our thick skulls and follow what God says? It's the same thing. Jesus over and over again was telling them what was going to happen, yet Thomas still didn't believe. See, he was struggling to understand how is it possible? He was just dead, and are you telling me that he's alive now? I'm confused because if I don't see, then I'm not going to believe. With my son Zeeland, it was the same exact issue going on here. It was like, listen, unless I see for myself that there's no more biscotti left, then I'm not going to believe you. You know what the issue was here, though? And this is what kind of hurts as a dad. The issue was I realized that my son, he didn't believe me because he didn't trust me. That kind of hurts. It's like I've proven in every way I thought to him that you could, tr well, I stretched the limits at times with him. But I, I thought I was more than trustworthy. But I realized this, that if he had trusted me, then when I had said there was no more Baschetti left, he would have believed me. You think about this moment where Jesus had shown up to Thomas. He allows him to stick his, his finger in the holes. It was really all about a moment of establishing Thomas's trust with Jesus. Jesus didn't have to do it. Thomas should have already trusted him because Jesus, more than enough, already proved himself. But with Zealand, it was the same issue. I thought I had more than enough proven myself, but I'm still willing to work with him to show him how to trust because I know if he'll trust, then he'll believe. And it's bigger than just believing me. It really is. But we get caught in the crossfire of seeing and understanding, believing and trusting all the time when it comes to faith. You know, I think about the scripture when it comes to Zealand wanting to trust me. Uh, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It's famous one, but it's one that people struggle with, right? Trust in the Lord 
with all of your heart. And what does it say here? And lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Faith requires trust. Faith has to have trust included into it for us to fully lean into our belief with God. So many of you, you got so many daddy issues and whatever other issues going on in your life that you literally, you, you look at God and you're like, I could never trust him simply because somebody on planet earth has ruined your trust. A God that's never, never lied to you, a God that's never left you, a God that's always loved you, a God that's always wanted to provide for you, but you literally won't give him a chance because you got daddy issues. And so this, this father in heaven, you can't trust him like you're supposed to. And you can't lean into the scripture, not leaning on our own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all that you have here. And I think about Z not trusting me. And I think about this whole idea of this marriage between faith and trust. And I realize that trust is a decision. Trust is not a feeling. Feelings will come and go. They are very fleeting. Trust is a decision that you make that yet I feel, I know I feel this way, I'm going to choose to trust instead. I know that this is what I'm facing right now, but I'm going to choose to trust instead. And so many of you, you are not trusting in God simply because how you feel on any given day. If life hits you just the wrong way on the wrong day, you don't trust in the Lord. Somehow you flip from a Wednesday, you're here and you're lifting up your hands and everybody's singing and it's like, ooh, that feels good and it's hype in the room. And then when you ain't here with all the people and you're off on your own, it's like, man, my day's not going good. I don't know if I can follow Jesus. I don't know if I can trust God. I, was that really faith I had in that moment? When we were like, give me faith. Was that really faith or was that just like a feeling I had for a second? And you're struggling to trust in the Lord and have faith because you're leaning so much into your own feelings. On our, uh, on our vacation, there was a spot that we'd go to that had like a kid's splash pad and it had some water slides, AKA Zealand's worst nightmare. And I think part of the reason that he struggles to trust me is because it's not good enough for me when he says, I'm not gonna do that. I look at him and say, I don't think you understand you're going to go down this slide. Like, no way my kids are gonna grow up without getting pushed to their extreme until I realize, okay, this one's different than this one, and I have to treat this one this way and this one this, but I have to learn their extremes and I have to bring them to it. Why? Because I see potential in them they don't see in themselves. And I see a future already for them that they don't see in themselves. And I know what it's like to live with purpose, and I want them to figure that out. And sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit to get there. That slide looked a little bit, little bit, little bit scary, looked a little bit crazy. But what if you could go down it? Like, what if it was, like, fun? I'll never forget Pastor Steve years and years ago at this point. He was like, I don't want to preach. That don't sound fun. That sound hard, all this stuff. I go, just give it one try. Preach one time. I'll never forget he finished preaching. He walks off the stage. He looks at me backstage. And he goes, that was fun. <laughs> Why? Because initially he had this thought, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I want to do that. That seems like more than I can overcome. Even as I'm preaching right now, do you know how many different people I look at in all of your eyes? It's so funny. It really is. Some of you are, some of you are talking to, like, you're, I don't know if you have, like, 
schizophrenia or something, but you're talking, like people exist up here, you're like talking to them. Some of you are like asleep. Some of you are like, I don't know if I like him or not. Like I'm taking in all these things. Do you realize every week, the hardest thing is not preaching God's word, it's looking at all of your facial expressions. (laughs) Some of you are super in the zone with me. Some of you don't know. Some of you are more concerned about the person you're sitting next to. Our legs just touched, our fingers actually just touched than you are about what God's preaching. And this ain't me. This is the word of God going forth. So every week, do you know what I have to do? I have to go down the slide. Every week. Every week. And this whole message so far, I'm going way off script. We're just talking. This whole message so far, I've been deciding if I was going to call people in the room out over the microphone. So as, I, as I've been preaching, as I've been preaching, I've been carrying the content in my mind and simultaneously deciding if I'm just going to rip it wide open my first week back. You know why? You know, you know why? Because I realize that there's a spiritual battle happening that as the word of God wants to go forth, every demonic activity, it, it's not just like, it's not, it's not this like subtle little thing where it's not a big deal. It's a very big deal. Because if your mind cannot get locked into the word of God tonight, then you can't be transformed by the renewing of your mind, as Romans chapter 12 says. It's the water slide. Every week I'm deciding, am I going to go down it? Am I going to do this thing? Am I going to look at you? Am I going to study hard? Am I going to preach? Am I going to do what God's called me to do? So Z's facing this water slide, and he's like, I ain't going down that thing. Like, you are not going to get me to go down that thing. He was completely terrified. You know, you know, this whole idea of trusting me, believing in me, I think he really believes in his mind that he can't trust me to catch him at the bottom. Now, partly I understand it's true because I've let him go under a couple times because I also want him to learn how to swim. And I know I've spooked him a little bit, but it's so interesting the way that both of my boys deal with this idea of trust and belief. So I want to show you my two boys. It's a quick 15-second clip. In a nutshell, here's my last sermon I preached a few Sundays ago about fear. So here's Zai Zai, the youngest. (laughs) Full sins, doesn't wait for it. There's the other one. Here's Z. That's my boys in a nutshell. There's a couple things you can learn from this right now immediately. Zion, first of all, he's crazy. The same way that he full sends in the pool, like he doesn't wait for people to catch him. He just, just jumps in the pool. It's the same thing with the slide. I would have to run to get there because he's just full sending down it. Z, on the other hand, he likes a slower pace kind of life. Like give me a drink with an, with an umbrella out of it, you know. And like Zai, there's two things that I've learned, like, like watching it him and trying to like, kind of like learn his personality versus Z's personality. Two things that you can learn from this clip. One, it's not that Zion doesn't fear. He does. It's that he trusts that I will catch him when he gets to the bottom because I've always caught him. I haven't done something yet. I haven't messed with him too much to a degree. Like, like I have Z trying to push him a little more, trying to get, trying to get it. Get some, I can see something inside of him. I'm trying to get it out. But with Zion, I catch him at the bottom. So he has no reason not to trust me because I've always caught him. And so the reason that he has belief, faith in me, is because he trusts me. For me, uh, the way I'd equate this is not trusting somebody, faith, trust, all this whole thing. For me, I don't trust at all Luke Schlanderer. Like, I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you, listen, if my life is on the line, he's the last person on planet earth that I would trust to have my back. Guaranteed. Y'all know why? Y'all know why? So anytime we do a game at collision or anything like that, we always test it before we bring it. We want to make sure that it's going to work. Do y'all remember the game Nouns? Where there was like a pose or something and be like Titanic and uh, like prom or whatever it was. And you had to like get down and do it. So one person we discovered needed to be the base and one person could be the other piece. The problem was it, it was as we were testing this, we didn't put all those pieces together yet. So I'm just immediately thinking in my mind, I'm like 30 to 40 pounds lighter than him. Maybe more. He's got the freshman 15 right now, but like... <laughs> I'm lighter than him for sure. I know that for sure, okay? So immediately, we're, we're, we're testing. I go, prom. And he gets down, and I get on his knee. I'm like, okay, sweet. And then we go, what was it called? Wedding? Is that what it's called? The move was called wedding, I think. And the move is where one person puts their hand out, and you jump in the air. The problem was we both had the idea at the same time to jump in the air. I have the security footage to prove it. I can almost guarantee it'll be on social tomorrow. So the difference was I, full of faith, I, full of trust in Luke Schlanderer, I jumped and I just went for it. Both my legs were straight out in the air. I went for it. His, on the other hand, you, when you watch the tape, he went up and kind of like kept like a, a safety leg down. So I go straight up in the air. We both go, and if you watch the footage, it looks like a wrestling move, like we both went up and he took me and just threw me on the ground. So well, there's carpet upstairs in the office, right? But it's, it's basically cement. I hit that thing so hard. PT and then one in the other room having a meeting, they thought an earthquake happened. They ran and they're like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like getting off the ground and I was just like, oh God, help me. Luke, I really want to believe in you. I really do. I'm going to give you one more chance right now to redeem yourself. Listen, he's in We Are One College. We are together like almost every day. I have to know that you have my back. I have to be able to trust you. So I'm going to learn from past mistakes. Just so we're clear, and I communicate, you're going to be the base, and I'm going to jump, okay? So I think, I, think, I mean, I could like just preach a, a side message right here. Sometimes like if you're going to really operate in faith, sometimes you've got to give it another try because it, Maybe you felt let down. Maybe it didn't go the way you wanted. Man, I could just preach that. We're not going to. You get my point? Okay, so are you ready? I'm ready. I'm a little nervous. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I couldn't trust him. I, I couldn't. But we're going to go for it. Wait. Okay, he did it. I can trust him. Okay. So number one with Zizai going down that slide, he's always been able to trust me. Therefore, he could always believe. But here's the second thing you have to, we're talking about this idea of understanding, right? He lacks understanding. He really does. He does not understand that when he goes down that slide, if no one's there to catch him, he's going under the water, he's staying under the water, and he's going to drown. But think about this. See, Z is beginning to comprehend some of these things. He doesn't like when he goes under the water. If all that Zion knew was the fact that he could drown, would he ever go down the slide? And so many times we're looking at what we are lacking in understanding, but if we realize that if we had all the understanding that we wanted and that was possible, would we ever go down the slide? 
But are there some things that God just says, I need you to step out in faith and I need you to trust me with because the outcome in faith will be what I truly have for you. It's this combination of trusting God and stepping out in faith. So that's why, that's why Solomon said in Proverbs 3 and verse 5, he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And catch this, next six words, and lean not on your own understanding. Don't just lean on what you know. Don't just lean on what you can understand. Don't just lean on what makes sense to you. It boggles my mind because as human beings, we spend so much time trying to understand what we can see. Things that are there, but we just don't understand them. Rather than leaning into the Holy Spirit to understand the unknown, the unseen, things we can't see. See, when you fully begin to step into faith, what becomes so exciting is I can't see it, but I know it's there. And the more I can begin to learn about the character of God, the nature of God, the word of God, the will of God, whatever it is, I begin to be able to lean into this ability to understand things I can't even see in front of me. See, faith is most necessary when you least understand. And I think so many times, People want to see to believe. People want to understand to believe. But the reality is your faith is important. It's most necessary when you least understand. Tell my message tonight, if you're taking notes, is I-D-K. I hate that response, by the way. I don't know. I'll ask people, hey, what do you want, what do you want to eat right now? I don't know. What do you want to, you thought about your future? What, what do you want to do? I don't know. Where are you going to college? I don't know. You uh, going to try out for this team? Or are you going to join this club? Or are you going to participate in this? I don't know. It drives me bananas. <laughs> like, I would rather your opinion be wrong than you have no opinion at all, I think, at some point. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I've never really thought about it, I guess. Where are you going to college? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. You realize you graduate tomorrow, right? It's like. <laughs> and see, there is this thing inside of us where we want to understand and we're wrestling because it's like, I don't know. I, I don't understand. There are things that we lack understanding. And as much as I hate that response, sometimes with God, at least what I've understood is it's the only response you can actually give. The truth is, as much as I've learned about God, as much as I've studied the Bible, I've gone to Bible school, to university, I've done all that. As much as I've come close to God and understood, I can tell you there's so much that I don't know and I don't understand about God. I understand that Jesus is the Son of God. I understand that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've sinned. There was this gap, this chasm between, between us and the Father God. And so God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that he could become the bridge so we could get there. And I could probably continue with more things I know, but the point is this, just to make it very quickly, is that as much as I feel like I do know, there's so much more that I don't know about the things of God than I do. So when we talk about this idea of leaning into understanding, you have to understand this simple fact. How do I understand any of the things I just listed? How do I understand that Jesus is the Son of God? How do I understand that God so loved the world he gave his holiness? How do I understand? Faith. It's kind of weird, isn't it? 
It's like some of you want to understand so bad then you want to then at that point begin to believe, but the reality is you cannot even begin to understand till you actually begin to operate in faith and believe because these things, the things of God, they only unlock through faith. It takes faith to understand. And here's, let me make it worse for you. The little that I know, and you're like, you know a little? If you know a little, then I'm in big trouble. Yes, it's true. I know a little. When I talk to my, I think he's 92, my 92-year-old papa who was in full-time ministry for like 50-some years, and he goes, man, as much as I read the Bible, I just feel like there's more and more I don't know. I'm like, you've been doing this for a long time. I'm in big trouble if you don't know. But it's the reality. Because the little that I do know, do you know how I know it? Faith. So if the little that I do know, I can only know through faith, how much more the vast huge things that I don't know, how much more do I need to have faith in the midst of those things? Why? Because faith is most necessary when you least understand. If you don't begin to lean into that faith, you can't begin to lean into like, dude, God has so many good things for you. If you look at how faith is connected to so many things, you look at mind, body, spirit, all the things it's connected to. I talked about uh, here a little bit ago, like seeing and understanding and believing and trusting. Well, see, if faith is most, most necessary when you least understand, then there, it opens up one more piece. You know what it is? Peace. Plan words. Yeah, you like that. Peace. Like, peace is an equation that is a, a, a piece that is connected to this whole equation of faith. That's why the Apostle Paul, he said in Philippians 4, verse 7, he said, and the peace of God, which surpasses all, hmm, What? understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, when you don't understand, that's the moment that peace can come and land in your life. It's the moment when peace will show up. You're like, well, I just got to, how, why is this happening to me? And I got to understand. No, God wants to give you such a peace, a powerful peace, that when you don't understand, that is when the peace of God shows up. Jesus speaks about peace so many different times in the Bible but it's in connection with faith. We just talked about this, right? Thomas, a little bit ago. Thomas is he's not there when Jesus initially shows up, so the next time, Thomas is there with all the disciples. If you read the Bible, read it clearly, this account. Jesus shows up, and it says, it's very clear, he doesn't walk through the door. He like shows up, and it's like, here's the wall, and he's like, and the Bible just says he appears. So first of all, Thomas already didn't get to see him the first time. This is the first time seeing him. Now Jesus just like, I don't like ghost, like goes through, shows up. Thomas is there pooping a brick, picking himself off the ground. Like he's in that whole thing. And he sees Jesus now. What does Jesus say? Because he, he's realizing like this is scary stuff. I know I'm, I'm scary right now. He looks at Thomas. He goes, peace to you. Immediately the response that Jesus wants to give in the midst of Thomas's lack of faith is what? Peace. Peace to you. What's Thomas's response? <laughs> I really want to touch that scar. <laughs> Bible even says Jesus reaches out. Thomas puts his finger. That's so weird. Puts his finger through Jesus' hole. Touches in his side. Jesus shows up, and the first thing that he wants to deliver is peace. One of my favorites is in Mark chapter 4. See, what had happened is like everywhere Jesus went, people followed him. But it got to a point where he was kind of like getting trapped and people were like putting him closer and closer to the water. And he's at the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible just says multitudes, tons of people are there. 
Jesus is preaching. He finishes preaching. Let's start at verse 35. It says that on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, meaning his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, um, multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, this massive storm. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Y'all ever in the bathtub growing up, whatever, you had like a boat? You start getting that water in there? It ain't going to stay up for very long. Or is that just me because I have two little boys and we, we do that? Okay. But he was in the stern. This is Jesus. He's in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, here it is, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it, and here's the connection, that you have no faith? He simultaneously wants to speak peace. And here's the connection, you have no faith. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So if you don't know this story, after they were just ministering, Jesus and his disciples, they get in the boat, they're crossing over on the Sea of Galilee. You have to know this, Peter, James, John, like some of the disciples, right? They were like expert fishermen, professional fishermen. They've been out in boats. They've done this a whole lot. They've seen the storms. So the fact that Mark, the writer of this, the fact that he records that they're freaking out, it's a big storm. It's a big one. Because they've seen plenty of storms. They'd have witnessed this before. They'd experienced what it was like to see the waves crashing over, and they're like making it through, and they're holding up the sails, and I, I, mean, I don't know what they're doing. But, and they're like trying to hang on to their fish. They've experienced that before. So the fact that they're freaking out for their very lives, that means it was a doozy, a doozy of a storm. I don't know if you, were y'all were on Monday, but there was a storm that ripped through my yard on Monday. Holy catfish. That was, that was nuts. It was. See, what we had done is we had set up like Camp Zianzai, this whole camping experience for our kids in the backyard. We had our hammocks and we had all these different things and we did the bonfire and roasted marshmallows and banana boats. And Z goes, I not like that. And he just wanted to eat the marshmallows, just sat there in the marshmallows, right? And so we had a tent set up and uh, we do what's called glamping. If we're going to do it, we do it. And we had this set up and we knew it was going to rain. We had already... We'd already seen that. We know that. But it rained that morning, and we were in the tent that night. And so we're like, we should probably tarp this up. So we spent a bunch of time. We tarped it all up. We got it ready because I wanted to keep using it. I wanted to, like, enjoy the experience with them. And then I had this brilliant idea. I can feel there's some wind right now. Let's go fly a kite up to what, what movie is that from? Mary Poppins. Thank you. It was in my head. I thought we would go fly a kite. I'm like, he's never seen. I got him this Spider-Man kite, Zealand. I'm like, he's never seen a kite. This is going to be so cool. So we go on this huge field. You know how it is. You kind of unwind it, and you start by running, right? And you're running, and then slowly you let out some more, and you're running. And then the wind's job is it comes, and it grabs it, and it takes it super high. 
for some reason, the wind decided to be like, yep, I'm not playing today. And it just died. It went from like crazy. I'm like, dude, this is going to be so sick. I'm going to get this thing so high. He's going to be so pumped. Because then he always goes way up high, way up high. That's what he loves saying, right? I'm like, I'm going to get this thing way up high. No wind. So you know what I'm doing? With the full string out, I am sprinting, running, <laughs> holding this thing in the air. I'm, I'm going like this. I'm running in circles. I'm like, come here, guy. I'm going, I'm going this way. I'm doing the whole thing. I'm going nuts. Because my son needs to experience this kite way up high. There's these onlookers. I see them. They're just pointing like, what is this idiot doing right now? See, Zealand didn't realize he needed the wind, so I thought, I'm going to just get this, this bad rascal up in the air. Finally, I was running for like 10 minutes, it felt like. How long was it? Just 10 minutes? Is that okay? I'm out of breath doing that, so I can't believe I did it for 10 minutes. I was checking with my wife to make sure. And uh, I, I looked at Z and I go, hey, cards on the table. It's not supposed to work like this. We're going to need to wait for some wind. Like literally as I say that, I look up, the sky goes black. I don't know if you all like were out when you saw it. It went like black as night. And I'm like, oh, no. I didn't even think about back home. I was hoping that we would make it alive. We had like our bikes and then we had like one of those little like extra things that the boys sit in like trolley or I don't know what it was. Do we get on that thing? I go, hold on, boys. Here we go, man. I took, I took, when we took off, me and Sid are just pedaling. We're flying back home. We didn't even take the route. We went through some backyard of this church there. We were like, hey, praise the Lord. We're going through. We're coming to our house. As we're coming through, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, kids are out there. I see them coming off the ground. No, not actually. Like, the wind is hitting. It's hitting. It's just, just like, boom, it's hitting. I see, I see moms running out, no jokes, saying, get inside, get inside. We're running in, and it hit me. As soon as I got to my garage door, it hit me. Camp Z and Zai is still set up right now. I run through. I open up. We have a back garage door right to our backyard. I open that up, and at my angle where the tent used to exist. It was no longer there. And immediately, like, fear, like, caught me. And I yelled out, oh, no, our tent is gone. So when I did that, it was like a switch for Zealand that put him into full panic freakout mode. He literally, he comes around the corner, no joke. He's, he's behind, he sees me out there. He's like, oh no, our tent is gone. Oh no, daddy. He's like bawling his eyes out. He's freaking out. I mean, he's losing it. Oh no, daddy. And I'm like, it's okay, Z, it's okay. Well, see, our, our tent has got, had gotten thrown like a rag doll into our house. That tent had beds, pillows. We were glamping, so it had a TV. Nintendo Switch, laptop for movies, iPad. My watch was still in there. Sid's AirPod Pros were in there. Like, everything was in there. That thing got, that thing got thrown like it weighed like two pounds. I mean, it was gone. The wind is blasting so hard, it's just pounding on the tent. The rain is coming. Our boys are freaking out. They're crying, come, Mama, come here. We're like, stay back, guys. Please get inside. They wouldn't go inside. We're like trying to reach in. We got this blow-up mattress. I'm like, trying to get the air out of it, right? We're trying to get everything out. We can't reach in because as we're reaching in, the wind, I'm not exaggerating, is pounding so hard we can't even get into our tent. 
the boys are freaking out. I'm falling like, guys, please go inside, go inside, go inside. And I keep just telling them, don't be afraid, guys, don't be afraid. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid right now. You're like, don't be afraid, you know. So finally, like, we get our, our blow-up mattress out. Zai's running around. As we pull it out, we pull that thing out. It sent Zai flying. He's doing his own thing. It's fine. He likes the adventure. It sent him on like a little trail. He's now crying, though. Z's still going, oh, no, our tent is gone. No, buddy, it's right here. We're fine. You know, like, he's, he's still freaking out. So we get, like, the TV, the, the air mattress, a couple things out. That's about what I can remember, not many things. We finally, as the wind is going, we drag it inside. We get it in the garage, and we're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm so tired right now. So then, because we had Christmas lights all throughout the tent to light it properly, those, those acted as, like, a Venus flytrap. It was like, you're not getting in. It was like, dude, like just locked on the tent. So we're like snipping things off, trying to get in there. And I'm pulling out my Nintendo Switch. And I'm pulling out my laptop. And I'm pulling out my watch. And I'm trying to, Sid's like, my AirPods are in there somewhere. And I'm going around. Honestly, I was getting claustrophobic. I never started with that. But it was everything from the, the weight of the water and everything was so heavy. I was exhausted. And the whole time we're telling the boys, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. When I think of Mark chapter 4 and the disciples in this boat, that's what I think of. Except they didn't have ground. They didn't have a house to go into. Because finally at some point, when those tornado-like winds are ripping through, I could have been like, you know what, I will get a new everything that's in there. I'd like to live. (laughs) Right? They didn't have that. They're on a boat in the middle of the water And this is what comes through. So freaking out? Yeah. Should they be? Yeah. I would be too. I would have 100% just just like Zealand, oh no, our boat is sinking. I would have been freaking out. I would have been. Except see, Jesus, he didn't look at them and say, do not be afraid. The whole time I'm looking at my kids, I'm like, guys, it's okay. It's okay. We're fine. Everything's good. Everything's really good right now. Don't be afraid. Jesus asked them two questions. He asked them question number one, how, no, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? What's your problem? Why are you so fearful? (laughs) It wasn't like, hey, don't be afraid, guys. It was like, why are you so fearful? Question number two, how is it that you have no faith? They're freaking out, expert fishermen, feeling like they're going to drown. And all that Jesus cares to hit them with is two questions, but very intentional. He asked them, why are you fearful? Now, I want to be clear with this. He was not trying to address their problem of fear. He didn't care about that. That was a setup to address their problem of no faith. The issue that Jesus had with that moment with the disciples was not that they feared. Jesus does not have a problem with that. It's that will we overcome fear with our faith? The issue that he was addressing is you have no faith. He said, guys, no faith at all. Like I've taught you, if you just have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to that mountain and say, get in the sea. Like I've showed you that anything is possible. I've showed you that when you have faith, you can move mountains. No faith at all. Like not just a little, nothing. You didn't even try You didn't even like raise up in some way. You didn't pray. I mean, you see me do all this stuff. How do you have no faith at all? See, Jesus was immediately attaching the conversation of fear and faith together. Look at the questions back to back. Why are you so fearful? You don't have any faith. He was wanting to bring us into this point of realizing that when you allow fear 
to grab a hold of your heart, fear has a hunger for understanding. Because if you can't understand something, you won't go and do it. If you don't understand how it's going to work out, you ain't going to risk it. If you don't understand, is my life going to make it through this? Am I going to be able to, like some people, if you're a perfectionist in the room, there's two types. There's some some like me that say, I'm going to kill myself until I get this right. And there's some that say, if I can't get it right, I'm not even going to try. That's real. And so some of you, you never risk it because you don't understand. You don't understand if it's even possible, so you never even give it a try. See, fear is this hunger to try to understand, and when you can't understand, you won't go forward. So they're out there, they're trying to understand what is happening right now. What is this storm that's all around us? Like, I don't understand why Jesus is with us and the boat is like, uh, the weather not understanding this here? Like, why is this happening? I don't understand. And, And this is where our world finds themselves. This is where you find yourself. Storms of life hit you, maybe like it did me actually on Monday. Or maybe it's mental, or maybe it's financial, or maybe it's something with your family, or maybe it's something with your future, but a storm hits you, and the problem is this. It's not that there's a storm. It's not that you're scared. The problem is most people, rather than wanting to come with greater faith to the storm, instead, you know what they ask for? They ask for greater peace. You know, like the most number one YouTube Googled topic that anybody's preaching, anyone's talking about is peace. Peace of mindset over anxiety, depression. Everybody wants peace. See, Jesus is making it clear in the conversation here, why are you so so scared? Do you not have any faith? He's making it clear that the only thing that's going to overcome your fear is faith. But nobody's coming to Jesus with greater faith. Nobody's asking God how they can grow in their faith. Everybody just wants peace. Because you know how people look at peace? They look at it as a Band-Aid. Just bandage me enough so up so I can keep going. Just help me enough so I can just get through this storm, get through this trial. It'll finally cease, and then I can keep going. And they're missing the whole point of what Jesus was trying to teach. See, let me show you this. Follow the sequence of events. The Bible says that Jesus, he's down in the stern. Ugh. Ugh. He's sleeping. He's sleeping well. He's good. And then what does it say? It says that the disciples wake him up. And then in verse 39, it says, then he arose. He goes out. He rebukes the wind. And then it says, he spoke to the sea. He said, peace, be still. It's the first thing he has to say is peace. It wasn't like he went to war. It was peace. He immediately speaks and he says, peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. What's my point? See, while the storm was brewing, Jesus was sleeping. Do you ever wonder why? Like, I just think we so easily chalk it up to, well, he was the son of God. Yes, but guys... The whole point that he walked planet Earth was to show us how to do it as well. Are you not getting this? Like, the whole point that he left heaven, left his throne, and came here and took on this flesh and bone and blood and veins and guts, like, 
He took on our skin to show us how we could operate in serving and following the Father. So if Jesus can sleep through the storm, that means you should be able to as well. So the storm is brewing, yet Jesus is sleeping. And when he wakes up, because his disciples are freaking out like Z was, his first response was not to go to war. It was not to fight. It was, not, it was peace. See, he realized that in the midst of the chaos of a storm, it didn't need more chaos. It needed a calm. In the midst of the craziness, the storms of our lives, it doesn't need more crazy. It needs some peace. So he immediately gets up and he could speak peace, but let's go further. Why could he speak peace? What was the power of the peace? Because you realize this wasn't some kind of wimpy peace. I mean, he's a little chilling there. He's sleeping. He's doing his thing. He's resting. He gets up. He rebukes the wind. He goes, peace be still. It's like when I look at my son, Zealand, Zazai, he doesn't even listen to me. I don't even try. Turn out however you want, kid. Zai, don't do this. <laughs> and he runs away. But Z, <laughs> Z understands the consequences, so I'm going to help him understand. And I look at him. I don't have to always yell at him. Sometimes I look at him, I just go, I wasn't asking you. I'm telling you what to do. Jesus looked at the storm. He goes, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you what to do. Peace. Be still. You look at Jesus' response coming out of the gate here. It's, it's powerful. It really is. Because peace ain't wimpy. I think sometimes we look at this idea of peace and it, we look at it like a Band-Aid. Like, oh, they could just help me through my storm of life right now. Peace ain't wimpy. The Apostle Paul spoke about this in Romans chapter 16, verse 20. He said, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. A God that is so peaceful, he's powerful. And he's going to give you the authority to be able to crush Satan, crush depression, crush anxiety, crush fear under your feet. But what I need you to grasp here is that while the storm is brewing, Jesus is sleeping. He gets up and he responds with peace. Do you think that he just turned the light switch on and it was like, oh, I should activate some peace now? Or was it maybe that he could speak peacefully to the storm because he could sleep peacefully through the storm? Some of you, you're like, oh man, when I really get in a bind, I really gotta like get some peace. No, some of you need to learn how to sleep. You stand up way too late on Instagram. It's not bringing any peace to your life. If maybe you would learn to sleep peacefully in the midst of a world that is storming around you, maybe when you wake up, you would have the authority in Jesus to also speak peacefully. Some of you, you lack words of peace because you lack sleep full of peace. Do you know how I know? Because I'll get DMs at times that I'm supposed to still be up. I'm an adult. You got to get up early for school the next day. You should be asleep. And you know what it tells me? It tells me that people's minds are running and they're brewing with a storm. And Jesus had the ability to shut all that off and just sleep. You know why? 
because he would have never been able to get up and speak that peace if he couldn't sleep with that peace first. Do you know why Jesus could speak peace? Because his supply was peace. He possessed peace. You can't speak something that you don't have. You can't walk with something that you don't have. You can't live in a way that you don't have it. Listen, you cannot fake being free. You can tell me all day long that you don't have a pornography addiction. You can tell me all day long that you're in love with Jesus. You can tell me all day, and you can fake it as much as you want, but there's some point in your life, finally, when the storm's gonna hit you the right way. You're either real or you're not. You can't fake following Jesus. You can do it for a season, but you won't be able to do it for a lifetime because the storms hit so hard. If you find yourself in Zealand freakout mode, it's just going to finally overwhelm you. And here Jesus just slept. He slept and he could speak peace because he had a supply of peace. See, peace is what everybody's wanting, which is part of the problem. I'll address this, but peace is what the world is craving. Peace is what the world is desiring. They want to have a, a, a peace that they think can just like bail them out or something. Can I help you? It's very simple. Jesus is a peace dealer. Hey, I, uh, I got some peace. He said, all of you that are weary, burdened, broken, troubled, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. I got the good stuff. Jesus is a peace dealer. So very simply, here's how it works. Jesus possesses peace. The only way you get in peace is you got to get Jesus. And so everybody wants to cling to find peace, but they can never find peace. You know why? Because they don't have faith. Because the Bible is abundantly clear. You can't live a perfect life. You can't do everything right. There's only one way to Jesus. It's faith. And if Jesus has the peace, that means the only way to get the peace is faith. And so everybody in the storms of their life, they're like, I need some more peace. No, you need to walk in faith. The problem is people are not walking, stepping, talking, reading, digging into God's word, and they're not living with the peace, that, the, the faith that God wants them to have. Therefore, they always are lacking the peace. See, having faith it doesn't mean that you're always going to feel peaceful. Having faith doesn't mean that you'll always feel powerful. It doesn't mean that you won't sometimes be scared. I've only learned one thing. Can I help you just with one thing? I've understood this in this season. It's like the one thing I feel like I truly understand. Faith is knowing who's in my boat. Faith is me despite everything that I'm looking at, everything that I'm walking through, it's understanding that there might be a lot that I don't understand, but one thing I do is that Jesus is with me in the storm. If I can just encourage somebody's spirit tonight, can I tell you that Jesus asleep is, last time I checked, still more powerful than the devil awake? Jesus in a deep slumber is way more powerful than that crafty, nasty serpent himself that deceives and tricks and lies and wants to bring destruction on the world. Jesus can be in a dead sleep, and his power on that boat with you is more than the devil could ever do to destroy you. And somebody needs to get that in your spirit because you're fearful of this world. You're fearful of the storm. You're even fearful of the devil. Some of you are fearful whether or not you're going go to go to, go to heaven or not. Listen, the day that I finally made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, a faith filled me. I walk around with confidence. I ain't going to hell. There ain't no chance I'm going to hell. I'm going to heaven because I serve a God that even if he's asleep, he's still more powerful than anything the devil could do when he's wide awake. 
This is, this is what we're talking about. This is faith. Do you notice the response of the disciples? Jesus just did all this. You know what the response is? Look at, look at, look at how this thing ends. Verse 41. The storm settles down, it says, and they feared exceedingly. And said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Look at those three words. They feared exceedingly. You know what that means? They were more scared now that the storm was done than they were during the storm. Help me understand that. Oh, we're super scared. Oh, it's done. It's all over. Oh, my gosh, we're more scared. That's what the Bible says. Why? Why did they fear exceedingly, fear more after the storm than they did during the storm? Because they just watched Jesus perform a miracle. Faith just flooded their soul. They just put their faith in Jesus. You know what they did? They turned their fear from the creation to the creator. They realized that if my God can speak like this to a storm, I should fear him a lot more than I do the storm. I know that storm was pretty big, but if my God is this big that he can do this to a storm, that even the wind and the sea has to obey him, I better fear him more than I do the storm. This is the fear of God. The fear of God is you recognizing who's in your boat, and you better be more scared of who's in your boat than anything that could happen outside your boat. It's called holy, pure fear. And if we would learn to fear God correctly, we would learn how to have faith more abundantly. If we would learn to fear the Lord, this is, this is what we were talking about, a collision, and we've been talking about the fear of God. If we would learn to have a fear of God, that he is so great, he's so perfect, he's so sovereign, he does everything right. So I'm going to put my trust, my faith, and my fear only in him. If you put that kind of fear into God and not all the other things in your life, there is a faith that will begin to rise up in you abundantly. Because you know what God wants to do? And some of you, you just can't see this for yourself. You don't even believe this for yourself. You don't even think this is possible. You're like, that's really great. I'm glad that Jesus is in my boat because I could never handle that. That's way too hard for me. You're missing it. I just told you earlier, Jesus took on flesh. He took on skin to show you what you're capable of. And he said, when I leave planet Earth, you will do even greater things than me. Do you know what that means? That means that Jesus, not throughout a series, not three weeks of teaching you, this is the beginning of you learning, but as you step out in faith more and more, as you take a risk and say, I'm going to step out towards Jesus, I'm going to come closer towards Jesus, I'm going to try this with Jesus, I'm going to go down the slide. He wants to put a faith in you that you may not have to, you may not understand the storm, <laughs> but you got the faith to speak to it and sleep through it. You don't have to understand what you're facing to be able to have the faith to overcome it. You don't have to understand everything that's going on in the world to be able to have the faith to say, I'm just going to take a nap right now. Because the world might be burning down around me, but last time I checked, Jesus told me he's got everything under control. Jesus said that he's for me. Jesus said that I'll do even greater things. If I were to capture one thing, if I could go back at your age and capture one thing, it would have been that, that word right there, that I will do even greater things than Jesus. But you know what I did? I walked around in such fear for too many years of I've sinned and I've messed up and I've done this. Rather than puffing my chest out in humility, by the way, but in faith, saying, I'm going to win my school for Jesus this year. I'm going to see people saved this year. I'm going to lay my hands on people in the hallway 
and their broken family where their parents are about to be divorced, their parents not only are not going to get divorced, but their whole family is going to come to my church and they're going to come to know Jesus. I would go to people, if I could go back, if I could do greater things in Jesus, I'd lay hands on the depressed, on the anxious. I'd lay hands on people that, that maybe even them themselves, they have a disease, could be celiac, could be as far as cancer, whatever it is. But I would, I would walk with a holy confidence that greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. With a faith, not just who's in my boat, but I can fall asleep when the world's burning down around me. It's that I can. It's that I have the ability to. But I don't want to sleep when the world's burning down. I want to step out with faith, and I want to be a lifeline to people. When the world's burning, I don't want to light another match. I want to toss some water on it. I could go down that road. Jesus said he's a living water. That's a whole other sermon right there. But I'm just saying, like, I want to be somebody that could step into the circumstances of people and the lives of people, and I could step out with faith. So let me say it one more time for you. Faith is most present when you least understand. You're waiting to grasp it all, but see, the faith of God wants to come in at the point that you don't understand. And there wants to be a peace that passes understanding. Trust in the Lord and not leaning on your understanding. Having faith when it all doesn't make sense. A famous theologian, uh, his name is A.W. Tozer. He said this in regards to faith. Killer quote. At least take a picture of it on the screen. It's killer. We shall not seek to understand in order that we may believe, but to believe in order that we may understand. This is it. This pretty much, I could have just told you this and then be like, okay, guys, have a good night. Go home. We don't try to understand everything. So then finally we'll believe in Jesus. That's what Thomas did. Well, I got to understand this whole thing. Jesus, he wasn't, no way. Until I touch, we don't have to understand to believe. When we believe, we get to understand. Anything that I know about God, the things of God, the ways of God, who Jesus is, I've only begun to understand that through faith. I know the last two weeks when Pastor Steve and Pastor Tyler preached, they used a whiteboard. And Pastor Steve, you think he was smart, he said, I'm using this whiteboard just so Pastor Dave won't use it. And I would just like to say this. He was completely correct. Can you bring the whiteboard out, please? sucker. Can I close with this? I'm going to bring it back to week one. I want this to click week one. Pastor Tyler began to unpack this thought that we have faith simply only because God gave us faith. Can I tell you that there's nothing good in you that you possess that didn't come from God? It came from God. So when God gives you faith, only then do you have the ability to give God faith. And I want to expound upon this because I think, I think that this is a thought, uh, not only that's so good, but I think it's one that people can get confused. So let me break it down this way. So this was the setup, right? He said that God gives us faith, and so we can give it. So let's label. I wonder which one is us. I'm going to put me so you can make it personal. So when you look at it, that's me. wonder who this one is. That's the big G-O-D right there. 
So what Pastor Tyler was setting up is that God gives us faith. Right? And then what we're supposed to do is give faith back to God. Y'all with me? I don't know why you're laughing. That is the most boss God I've ever seen right there. You look good. You've been at the gym. Okay, so this is the concept. Take it in. God gives you faith. You give it back to God. Here's the problem. Look at this. Although maybe the only difference is the size of people, we could easily perceive this as it's an equal exchange. That it was an equal part done. God gave me faith. I give it back to God. And that is the problem is you begin to limit how big God is because you categorize that what you do is as good or as important as what he's done. Understand this. I'm gonna do like a frown face. Because this is what we really are. We're just turds. That's what we really are. At your best, hear me. At your best, you can never give God back even close to what he's given you. Did God give you faith? Yes. Are we supposed to give it back to God? Yes. That's, that, that point struck. But so many of you, could, you could box God and make this look where it's like, well, God, give me faith. I give it back. You are not equal to him. That's why we fear him, because we are not his equal. He is far beyond us. So the faith that we have to give him, anything we can give him is only because he gave us. Because let me just take it even further. It doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop the way he gives us faith. We give, no, what else does he give us? Here it is. We've been talking about it all night. He doesn't just give us faith. He wants to give you understanding. He wants to help you learn how much he loves you and realize it. He wants to help you learn the purpose for your life. He wants to help you learn his word. He's not just saying, well, hey, here's a Bible, figure it out. Do you realize that God, he so designed all of this? Think about this. All the different leaders in history came to the point where literally he rose up the leaders that are at We Are One right now. Over time, I was a 12-year-old kid at a summer camp and he, he rose me up, realized I'd be 34 years old and then PT would be here and Pastor Steve would be here, Pastor Luke would be here and our leaders would be here. Why? To help teach you, help you lean into faith, help you grow, help you become who God wants you to be. He's not trying to leave you here. He's trying to help you understand. But some of you, the problem is you're like, well, I don't understand, I'm not gonna try. No, no, no. When you least understand, that's the moment that you need to lean into faith. Okay? I'm looking at some of your faces. I should have never made him a muscle God because some of you are struggling to get the point. We'll get there in a second. Let me, let me at least give him just, he's just, I don't know. It's just kind of like, I don't know. Okay. How do you get understanding? How do you grow in your understanding of God? See, faith, what we're talking about here, when I was talking with Z, we're talking about trusting God and believing God. Until, hear me, until you have trust in God and belief in him, you will never even begin to understand. I think it'd be really easy for us to, to get to this point where we could even look at this and be like, okay, like, like no, I get it. No, you, I, I don't think you do, honestly. 
I, I don't think some of you really do because at this point, this is what faith is right here. Trusting God, believing in God, leaning not into your own understanding, but wanting his understanding above it. Faith, it's so powerful because you know what's, you know what's huge about it? Is faith is saying this. It's acknowledging that what I don't know is so much less important than who I do know. Like, there's so many things that we just, we wrestle with in life and we allow it to pull us away from God rather than having greater faith in him and saying, I know Jesus, he's in my boat. He's got a plan for my life. There's a lot I don't know, but this I do know. Do you realize like, so I-D-K, right? It's been popularized as what? I don't know. And everybody writes it shorthand, they text it back, I don't know. Guys, there's a whole lot of things I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know why God does things the way he does. The prophet Isaiah, he said, his ways, his thoughts, they're above mine, I don't know. I, I don't know why certain things happen in the world. If I were to stand up here and tell you that I did, I'd be lying to you. Do you know what I don't know? I don't know exactly why I have cancer. I really don't. Like, I really don't. I could be like, well, it's because the Lord wants to bring me through a test and refine me by the fire of his word and, and make me who he wants me to be. Yeah, probably it's true. But I don't know exactly. I really don't. I'm just trying to be faithful. I'm just trying to walk in faith and trust him. I really don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why some of you have to go through some of the things. It's like, why did I lose my mom? Why did I lose my grandma? Why did I go through that? I honestly, I'm sorry, but I don't know sometimes. And if somebody on Instagram reels preaching to you or YouTube or even a leader or a pastor in this room, if they have an answer for everything you're going through, that's a problem because I'll be sending them down and talking to them because they're not God. We don't have answers to everything. We don't know everything. I don't understand everything. So when I don't understand things, what do I come to? What do I understand? I might not know these things, but I do know Jesus. There might be like a ton of things, a list of things that I just truly don't know, but I know Jesus. So let's flip it. IDK. What if rather than making it, I don't know, what if we just sat for a second on what do I know? I do know. You know one thing I do know? I do know that God has already done so much for me. He's already worked in my life in so many different ways. He owes me nothing. I know that for sure. He does not have to bless me. Listen to this. He does not have to heal me. I know this. He does not have to give me understanding. He doesn't have to do any of it because what he's already given me, what he's already done in my life is more than enough to last forever. You know what I do know? Here's what I do know, I-D-K. I do know that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for my sins and for yours. I do know that at the age of four years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I do know that God transformed me. I'm a new creation. I'm not the person that I used to be in high school. I can tell you that for sure. I'm not the person that I used to be in college. I can tell you that for sure. Because a transformation is not just momentary. It's a lifetime of becoming more like Jesus. I do know that this gospel that I'm preaching right now, that I was called to preach it from the beginning of time and God set forth a plan for my life. I do know 
know that his hand on me and his spirit with me and his plan for me is greater than what I could have ever come up for myself. What I do know is at the day and the time that Jesus went up there for me and he did it for you. Listen, he did it when we didn't deserve it. He did it when we shouldn't have got it. But what I do know is that when he did it, he changed everything. He absolutely changed the course of history. That when our God, through giving us faith, that moment on the cross, when we come to him in faith, do you realize what happens? What I do know is that in faith, this one moment paid for on the cross, that's all that I need to understand. And so many of you are so twisted. I don't understand this. I don't know this. I don't. What do you know? I do know that Jesus has a future for you. I do know that Jesus has a plan for you. I do know that, I know it might have been some sort of stupid little funny crazy God picture thing, but in the end, I do know why well, I had to do it muscular so he could stretch out. Why? You just thought it because he's muscular. No, it's because in the beginning, when Adam and Eve fall short of the glory of God, when they sinned, this is our story, we've sinned. God had a plan that he would stretch out his one and only son, Jesus. So if there's plenty you don't know, there's one thing you can know. You don't have to walk out of here and wonder, am I going to heaven or hell? I don't know. Does God have a plan for me or not? I don't know. Does Jesus love me or not? I don't know. See, how do I know everything I just listed? Faith. That's it. Faith. Go back and watch the messages. Learn more than how I'm recapping it because this is simple. But I trust that God's going to be at the end of the slide. I believe that we're out of Biscetti. When I trust and believe God, if there's just one thing I can understand, it's this. It's the cross. It's that the cross, because of his blood shed, he's forgiven me of my sin. And do you know why I believe that I will be healed? He doesn't need to, but you know why I believe I'm going to be? It's because the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that by his stripes on that cross, we are healed. Last time I checked, we is plural. I'd like to participate in the we and be a part of that. I know I'm going to be healed. How? Faith. I trust God. I look at the storm of my life and I trust him even in it. And do you know what I do? I sleep. Every night, I don't lay up wondering if I'll die of cancer or if my life is going to keep going forward or if my calling is going to continue forward or if I'll get to be with my family or if I'll get to pastor this church. I don't even think about it. Why? Because in faith, I come to Jesus and with peace, I sleep every night through the storm of this world. Stand with me. I want to give you an opportunity if you're in the room tonight to respond in faith. Not with perfection, not with having done everything right, not even with the promise that you'll do everything perfect after this, but with a faith tonight that acknowledges that God sees you. You understand, listen, you're listening to me tonight. You've been listening. Maybe the last three weeks if you've been here and you've been grasping this idea of faith that he sees you, he knows you, and he even packages himself in a way that will meet you where you're at. Why? Because he knows that you can never get to the Father if he doesn't bring you some faith. And you know what's in the room tonight? Faith. 
There's faith in the room tonight. If we laid our hands on one another right now, I believe people can be healed in this room tonight. There's faith in this room tonight that as we speak in a second in faith to Jesus, those that would call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. You don't have to question your eternity. All these other religions trying to like sell you something and all these people trying to tell you like this is what you got to do to live life and be happy and have peace. Do you know how you have peace? You have faith. Do you know how you get faith? You repent right now. You come to Jesus. You say, listen, I've fallen short of your glory. Give me faith that I might in faith come to you. Understand that your ways are better than mine not lean into my own understanding, to have peace, to understand that your peace will pass anything I could begin to comprehend. Because you know what people are doing? And there's nothing wrong with counselors or something like that, so understand. I'm not speaking against that. But what they're doing is they're going to these people to try to help them understand their problems. And Jesus says that there's a peace that God wants to give you that will pass even what you could understand with a counselor. They could work with your mind. And I believe there's things that need to get dug up, and that's all good stuff. But even... <laughs> At the very most, you will understand very little in the grand scheme of the world. So he wants to even give you a peace that passes even what you could comprehend. But what do I know? I don't know. I'm just 34-year-old guy, honestly, trying to still figure it out. But you know what I invite you to do? I'd invite you to come fly a kite with me. I'd invite you to go down a water slide. I'd invite you to get some more biscotti. I'd invite you in faith to take the greatest leap of your life into the arms of Jesus to say, let's go have the most killer adventure of following Jesus for the rest of our lives. Because to me, taking a risk, some people would say, but having faith and following Jesus, man, that sounds much more inciting much more exciting than leaving it all to my own opinions and my own understanding and basically sitting on the couch and doing nothing because I'm too scared to step out. Take a leap tonight, some of y'all. By your heads closed your eyes, I want to give you two opportunities. One, very simple. You're in the room. Maybe it was last week, the week before, tonight. It doesn't really matter when it clicked, but something in your spirit's clicking. You're saying, tonight, I want to respond in faith. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to repent of my ways. I want to come to the cross where my sins were forgiven. I want to follow Jesus. If that's you tonight, and you're saying you want to put your faith, your trust, your hope in Jesus, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to lift your hand right now and say, that's me. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Thank you, I see you. Hands up all over. You're saying it's Jesus for me and nobody else. I have faith. It's Jesus. Thank you. You can put them up, put them down. That's amazing. Hands up all over, over here. Thank you. I put my faith in Jesus over here. Thank you. That's good stuff. Okay, that's number one. Number two, you know, you're some people in the room where you're saying, I've done that like I have a faith in Jesus. But if you'd be honest with yourself, your faith is pretty weak. You ain't gonna be sleeping through no storm. You can be up wide awake, freaking out. And you want to tonight make 
faith in Jesus a staple, an anchor, something that's unshakable, unwavering in you. And I mean, I want to even speak over people's mind tonight that when you lay your head on the pillow, you're going to sleep different tonight because your faith is in Jesus in the midst of the storm. The thoughts that have been keeping you up at night, I, I just rebuke that storm, I rebuke that wind, and I say, peace be still in the name of Jesus over your mind that when you lay your head to sleep tonight, there's going to be a different peace about you, not because you're doing something different other than just operating in faith. And if you're here tonight, and that's you, and you're like, listen, I got, I got like a relationship, meaning like I, I come here, I pray every once in a while, I might even read my Bible, or I don't care who you are, if you're a leader, intern, whatever, but you're saying, my faith is weak. I'm not a risk taker with Jesus. I don't jump into the unknown for Jesus. I'm not fully open to be used for Jesus the way I know that I should be. If that's you, lift your hand. You're saying, my faith is weak. My faith is weak. I want stronger faith. I want to operate in greater faith. Thank you. Hands up all over. Thank you, guys. Greater faith tonight. Greater faith. Lord, increase our faith. I'm going to pray for you. And the team's going to come. They're just going to lead us in worship. And with the few moments that we have before we close, if you're saying, I need to respond in faith tonight, then I want you to make a step of faith here in a second. We're going to pray, and that's powerful. It's a moment to give your heart, your soul, your life to Jesus, to put your faith and trust in Jesus. But I think some of you need to make a step tonight. You need to walk out on some water tonight. You need to say, listen, if the storm is raging, in which maybe for some of you it is right now in my life, the last thing I'm doing is sleeping. And I feel that like there's a confidence that God wants to give you to not only speak to the storm, but sleep through the storm. Some of you, I'm, when I say sleep, I don't mean let, be lazy. I mean, you're going to have such a peace and a confidence that Jesus is with you that you can sleep against all odds, against family. Maybe, maybe your parents are yelling inside the house. Maybe there's fighting at school. Maybe you're dealing with bullying. Maybe you're struggling and scrolling at night and you need to change some habits. But you're going to sleep tonight. I'm going to say in the name of Jesus. You're going to sleep because your faith is not in Instagram. Your faith is not even in your parents. Your faith is not in me. Your faith is not in a school system. You're going to sleep because your faith is in Jesus. And then now I speak with boldness. There's going to be lion roar type of mouths in the room tonight that you're going to open your mouth so the devil shuts his. You're going to begin to speak to things at your school. You're going to begin to speak to things in your family. You're going to begin to speak to things even in your own heart. And you're going to say, peace be still. My faith is greater than the fear tactics of the enemy that the, that the devil wants to use against me. And so if this is you tonight, I want you to speak loud and clear with faith inside your heart. Repeat after me all across this faith, all across this place our faith in Jesus say Jesus come on say Jesus my faith is in you my trust is in you I believe that you died for me I believe that you rose again and you did it so I could have life so as I step out in faith I could have boldness I could have courage I could have confidence that if God is for me then nobody can be against me I pray that you'd give me eyelids that can shut and fall asleep. I pray that you'd give me a mouth that can open and speak. I pray that there'd be peace that passes understanding and that I would lean not into what I know, but into who I know. That as I operate in faith, God, I would see that these future days they are marked, they are dangerous, they are going to be profoundly different for your glory.
Come on, somebody claim this with me. Say, this school year, this work season, these days at my house with my family, and even when I come to this church, they are going to be marked with greater faith. Come on, somebody say, greater faith. We believe this. And we speak this tonight in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody lift your voice. Say amen and claim greater faith.